welcome to the supposed season finale. <laughs> we'll see how we do. We were just discussing uh, how we might get through this. And uh, I think the best thing to do is just start. So we are on uh, page 39 of the Yellow Cupboard book. Uh, second paragraph there. And here we are. Good to see you again. You too, Greg, as always. And uh, I guess I'll just start reading it and we'll see how we go. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Then you will travel by miraculous power to innumerable worlds, making offerings to the Buddhas and listening to teachings from them. At the time of death, too, you will undoubtedly see Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. In future lives, you will be reborn in special families and places where you will not be separated from Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. Thus, you will effortlessly accomplish all accumulations of merit and insight. You will have great wealth, a large following and many attendants. Possessing a sharp intelligence, you will be able to ripen the mind streams of many beings. In all lives, such a person will be able to recall past lives. Try to understand such immeasurable advantages that are also described in other sutras. And so I'll just continue on to the next one here. In this way, if you meditate on compassion, skillful means, and the awakening mind of bodhicitta for a long time with great admiration, the mind stream will gradually become thoroughly purified and ripened. Then, like producing fire by rubbing together pieces of wood, you will accomplish your meditation on the perfect reality. Thus, you will achieve an extremely clear knowledge of the sphere of phenomena, free from conceptual elaborations. The transcendental wisdom, free of the impending nets of conceptual thought. The wisdom of ultimate bodhicitta is stainless, like an unwavering butter lamp, undisturbed by the wind. Thus, such a mind in the entity of ultimate bodhicitta is included within the path of seeing, which apprehends the selfless nature of all phenomena. Through this achievement, you enter into the path, focusing on the reality of things, and you are then born in the family of Tathagatas. You enter the stainless state of a bodhisattva, Turn away from all wandering births, abide in the suchness of bodhisattvas, and attain the first bodhisattva level. You can find more details of these advantages in other texts, such as the Ten Spiritual Levels. This is how meditative stabilization, focusing on suchness, is taught in the descent into Lanka Arya Sutra. This is how bodhisattvas enter into the non-conceptual meditation, free from elaborations. Interesting, he's saying all these great things that will happen to you. Uh-huh. You know, it sounds like you're a Buddha. And he says, now you're on the first level of a Bodhisattva. <laughs> now you're, you're, now you're, you're getting started. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's something interesting here, too. When you, if you meditate on compassion, skillful means... Uh, then your mind stream will gradually become thoroughly purified and ripened. It doesn't seem like it's a, um, uh, I'm trying to, how can I put this? You can't like sit down and meditate for even a, an extended period of time and not necessarily see the fruition. If you were doing something else, if you were building a house at the end of the day, mm -hmm. you'd go, oh, okay, we got the staircase in today or something. But you can meditate for a really long time. It's like, oh, I'm just putting in the hours mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, but then it sort of comes, I've always felt was sort of, uh, it's almost like grace, you know, it's, uh, it's a miraculous, beautiful thing that is the ripening of the, of your practice. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think you notice it, uh, the, the way that I've noticed progress in meditation over the years is largely through, um, they would call them a cessation, where mm -hmm. you recognize 
that something's gone from your mind that was there before. You know, I think, uh, I think one of the things that one of the answers to a question the Buddha was asked, you know, what, you know, when you became enlightened, what did you gain? And he's like, I, well, I didn't gain anything, but I lost, right. Mm. I lost jealousy. Right. I lost this. I lost, I lost, I lost. And, uh, that was, I think, maybe the most exciting part of the path uh, for me it was start, starting to notice, oh, wow, like last year, I would have lost my marbles o- over something, you know. Um, <clears throat> and so that's that's your mind becoming uh, purer and purer because you see things clearly. clearly. Mm-hmm. Like, like I remember when... Uh, if someone had broke into my vehicle, for instance, and stolen some things and stuff. And I, I had this very, very clear knowing that if that had happened to me like a few years before, I would have just been freaked right out. Yeah. But in that moment, I just felt compassion for the people that had made the attempt. Yeah. And that was no noticeable and palpable. And I was like, oh, wow, I've changed. Yeah, you've mentioned that a couple of times. I think your band... It's broken yeah. into like on a on a regular basis. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's a big part of my teachings. It all happens all the time. <laughs> no, it's not. It's only happened a few times, but it's a good example. A few times, <laughs> but yeah, I, I've thought yeah. about that in in uh, when things have happened, or even just sort of imagining and be like, "That's okay," you know. Mm-hmm. It's like you said, somebody needs it that uh, more than you. Uh, if anything, in this crazy old world that we have, people mm-hmm. tend to be. Uh, going more towards compassion than pointing fingers or uh, saying there's something wrong like for example all the homeless people or whatever and like it seems like people have a little more compassion and an understanding it's like it's not this person's fault you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's a huge you know and you get this understanding that uh, every single person that you encounter they're you know not in control of mm-hmm. whatever karmic arising is happening for them in the moment like they they have the cards they're dealt and they have to play them like it's like they have to deal with what they have and you know you as an onlooker has your own set of cards that you're that you got dealt you know and that it is arising in the moment and uh i think that's a beautiful place to get to where you understand that there's so much happening that is entirely out of like the human capacity to, to stick your hands in there and control anything. Yeah. You know, it's just going off like that. And that's your mind clearing, right? That's your mind clearing of blame. It's your mind clearing of uh, thinking that someone owes you something and then, you know, they don't give it to you and then you, you really get resentful and wonder, you know, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? You and that's just when you're thinking about this lifetime. Yeah. Like if you can get past the fact uh, you know, if you really sort of buy into karma all the way, you can say, okay, well, the reason this person stole from me is because I stole from someone in the past or and so on mm-hmm. and so forth and actually feel compassion that they have to be this vehicle uh, that delivers your karma to you. But you, so you might clear that out in, in for one lifetime, for, yeah. forgive your parents or whatever, all the different things in your life that have happened that have been, you know, quote unquote, bad things that happened to you. Um, but if you can get there, then it's like you have to unpack <laughs> lifetimes as squirrels and, you know, did you attack <laughs> some other squirrels nuts or, you know, <laughs> there's a lot. There so is, it's almost like yeah. you just like, yeah, if you, it's easier to uh, go into that flow and just go, okay, you know, we're all in this together and that includes me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The lifetime thing. That's uh, you're lo- looking at your, Looking at any day of your life, realizing like it's just like a blip yeah. in the in the sphere of your reality. Uh, especially they start talking about like eons, um, and at any moment in time, whatever is arising could have been a result from you know fourteen lifetimes ago, or last right. lifetime, or this lifetime. You don't really know. Yeah. And at the same time, so then you don't know um, what you're planting. And I think that's what. That's a nice thing where you get clear on your motivation. This is what the whole bodhicitta thing is so uh, beautiful, is that if you develop that heart of compassion, 
and a mind of, of wisdom, then whatever you're doing, there's this fuel behind it that's motivating you with, with loving kindness and a aspiration to grow and you know leave samsara if you're there, then uh, you know you're planting all this merit he's talking about. And you don't you don't know when it's gonna come back or when it's gonna pop again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you and it may be that you're holding on to your bodhicitta in the face of some uh, dire circumstance in your life. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's from before. Like uh yeah. Hmm. What do you say the nets was the nets of yeah, the nets. Conceptual, what was it? The nets of conceptual thought. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. So your mind stream yeah. has this nets. Was it catching little, little salmon or smelt or? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, you're getting, well, if you think about it, like, isn't it tiring, like, to be caught in your thoughts? mm You might not even notice it. If you don't meditate and you haven't gained any any form of stillness, you know, the thoughts that come and go all day are like white noise. You forget they're even there. You might not even notice that as you sit there or as you work or as you go for a walk, you're just ensnared in a net of your thoughts, Yeah. you know? Um, and then when you gain freedom from that, I've definitely went through periods of my time where I was like, you know, enough already. I'm so tired of this constant supply of, uh, you know, thought formations that just arrive, wake up in the morning and there they are. And it's so easy to just kind of take that bait and you go forward into the, into that net and you're caught in that net. Yeah. Hours can go by. You know, I wonder if there's like certain category of thoughts that most people sort of cycle around in the course of a day or within an hour, you know, like, and probably you get into a groove, you wake up in the morning and you start thinking about this, that thing. And as your day progresses, you're thinking about all of these other things. There must be a, like the sort of a seven, maybe there are there seven main categories, like the seven dwarfs, you're grumpy, you're <laughs> compassionate, you're, you know, uh, this just uh, for me personally, I, I can, as I've watched my mind over the years, I can see it's like, wow, yeah, that, there's that one going again. It just uh-huh. pops up because it knows the groove, you know. I'll see something that'll trigger it, and it goes, oh yeah, yeah, this is what we think of that, you know. Yeah, and then it could become, or probably does become, the reality that you're used to, a, a certain cycle of thoughts that you're so used to having yeah. that you then assume that that's you. Yeah, you identify 100%. Yeah. I am those cycles. I, I, I am those cycles, and I react this way to this situation, and I always react this way to this situation. Yeah. Right? Everyone and, wants to know that, you know, if you're mm-hmm. out and about and something happens in front of you and your friends, like you all kind of yeah. come to some consensus of what it means. Mm-hmm. Or you talk about how, what you think it means. It could be anything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that identification with the thoughts, that's the name of the game. Yeah, like if, if you're with somebody and then you, you know that you're not going to, you know not to approach a certain subject because they're going to go off. Yeah. Right? And that's like, that's that's their, what's one of their ones. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, let's, let's just, let's not bring that one into the, into our, into our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And then once in a while you forget. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh here we are again. Yeah, yeah the uh, thoughts are just uh unbelievable. And you know, you can't pin them down. Where are they? I can't like show you a thought. Yeah. No. I don't no. know where it came from. I don't know where they go when they're done. So uh yeah, it's kind of funny. I you know, if I get in the right spot, I, I find it hilarious. Yeah, know? absolutely. And I'm identifying with all these things just because I had a certain experience. My life went through a certain thread line and I was educated this way and I met this person and this thing happened to me. Yeah. So why, why would I identify with any of that? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good, that's a million dollar question. Why would you, why, why do we, and what we do? I think it's uh, 
just from a psychology standpoint, yeah. it's because we need to navigate the world. And so we're trying to figure it out. And so we figured it yeah. out and then we put it in there and then the ego sort of then sets up a wall says, okay, that's how we think about it, you know, and I'm here to keep you happy. So just mm -hmm. think about this, this way and everything will be okay. But if, if it's all it's doing is building up this wall of thoughts and your relationships to them, it's not really helping you then. I know. And everyone can relate. I, when I teach at Pacifica, uh, we we often talk about that, um, things that pop up in your mind and, and, uh, you know, in a place, in a place like that, everyone is there and they're trying to heal and they're, they're and everyone, everyone is, very on board with yeah i know my mind makes me suffer yeah they're all they're all on board with that you know mm -hmm. and so it's uh you know and they're in a setting where they're trying to work on that and 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 be in the realm where they can actually understand that whatever is popping up in their mind is not necessarily true mm -hmm. and then uh that's like a, such a a flavor of the net, you know, and the way that we're ensnared is actually believing that what we think, just because we think it, that it's true. Or that it has something to do with us. Like you could have yeah. the most horrific thought. And mm -hmm. I've certainly had things pop up into my mind. It's like, what yeah. the hell is that? Yeah. That is definitely not me. You know, I am watching too many, you know, gangster movies or something, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So that, that I think those are actually good things. Sometimes they can mm -hmm. kind of awaken you to this idea. That's yeah, not you. Yeah. The impending nets of conceptual thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Conceptualizing everything, right? Because the wisdom of ultimate bodhicitta is stainless. You know, this is what I think this is probably, I've been teaching for a long time and I, I, I think what I see over and over again as the, is the biggest challenge for, for most people, even you know, they're, they're studying and they're meditating, but uh, it's so easy to continue to get caught yes. in a conceptual elaboration about what we want, how we're feeling, you know, about our practice, um, what I should be doing, why aren't I doing this? Oh my God, I just did this. This is going to happen. Um, you know, and I will teach and mention over and over again about that stainless aspect of the mind that you can sink down into like you're doing mind as a path or something like that and you're getting down and you're getting less and less and less conceptual conceptual and you can get, get into meditation and kind of even for a moment or five minutes free yourself from that conceptual net yeah. but it doesn't stick like in this unless you hammer it and just keep going and going you find yourself sitting in a restaurant with somebody and just going on and on about I, I, like the, all the things that are make, are make up your samsara. Yeah. And then you're kind of like arguing about and defending and trying to figure out how to reposition and take the samsara and, and turn it into a different shape. But it's just samsara, and and the the, the ultimate bodhicitta and the mind of bodhicitta is not that. Yeah. And it's clear of that, and it's so easy to just get caught in that net, forget your refuge, and realize that everything that you could possibly ever want and desire is actually already there. It's sitting with you and your partner in the restaurant. <laughs> and so why is it so hard to let go it's it's such a it's like a wind like a like a habit that just pulls and pulls and pulls our attention to it and so no one gets any not no one but many people they don't get the the break from it they don't get the relaxation mm -hmm. and they just they're living in that net I think that's the importance perhaps of, of the Sangha because yeah. this stuff is hard enough when you're sitting down and trying to understand it and trying to meditate and, you know, still the mind and understand emptiness. And then you get up and it's like, okay, well, got to go back into the world. Now, no one else is going to be on the same page with you, this, with this. So, uh, yeah, good luck. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I, I had it just a, this week at work, which is really, 
it's my crucible, I guess you could say, of, of uh, uh, off the cushion work. And I said, you know, this this week, this one person that really just drives me crazy, <laughs> I'm just going to give them the ultimate, you know, patience and listen to what they're saying and answer the question that I've answered five times already and <laughs> go through their convoluted logic and just be like really, I'm nice, you know, always, but I'm also yeah. sort of like, uh, yeah. You know, so I, I went through it. <laughs> it was kind of fun in one regards, but it's like, man, I'm wasting a lot of time here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, I, I let her be heard. And so I don't know, maybe there was something to that to exhibit, uh, you know, patience. That's, patience is one of my my things, you know. I, I come from a, my, my father, the type of guy who'd hang the Christmas lights and it was just a big swear fest, you know. That, that, <laughs> bah, bah, bah. So I do that too when I change my water filter here at the house. It's hilarious, the, the words that come out of my mouth. Uh-huh. But I, I'm actually divorced from them. I can look back and as I'm saying them, I'm laughing. I go, yeah, Mr. Buddhist here. Yeah, yeah Mr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, why, you know, so I guess that's the thing. Like if you're on board, you, you do the practices as directed and then you get out there and, and see how they're working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, what also I think is very uh, difficult for <clears throat> uh, any practitioner to understand is there's all this, you know, intellectual, kind of logical understanding of everything that we're talking about, mm. which doesn't even hold a you know, hold a, a candle up to um, the actual experience of knowing it. Like if you see emptiness directly, for instance. Um, like he's saying, do all of this work. Do all of this work. Get your stillness. Get your compassion. Compassion. Get your loving kindness. Put that through the mill, right? Over and over. And eventually, eventually, you'll have this experience. You will um, have your moment, <laughs> your 15 minutes of fame. You, you will have your moment. You'll have your path of seeing. And everything's led up to this one uh, short, you know, relatively short period of time. Uh, it, it, you know, Buddhism is like that, right? There's all this preparation, and then there's like this finger snap, the thing that actually happens, like yeah. you see emptiness directly. And then after that, um, you know that all of this is true, and you're changed, and that space that he's talking about of ultimate bodhicitta is there. Like you are aware of that space and you live that space. But if it's only the first time you've seen emptiness in this life, you still have a bunch of stuff to purify. Yeah. So, you know, so you could be like an Arya, someone who's seen emptiness directly and change your water filter and experience a, a karmic upheaval of like, rah, 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 rah. but the a, a complete, like an awakened Arya would find that amusing. And would be like, and know that if there's any, <clears throat> know that if there's any, uh, I don't know, the aria couldn't blame the water filter and could still have humor experiencing a moment of aggression about the water filter, you know? So, so you know, maybe that's you, Greg. I think it, it, if anything, it shows how the mind works. Like you were saying, like yeah. you just, you get that brief moment after all that preparation. It's just the characteristics. You can't really fight it. Yeah. You know, uh, that's the way it, the, the way it works. Like we're trying to understand up. something. Yeah. We're trying to, I may speak for myself, but I'm trying to understand it in a way that I wanted to understand, understand it using old ways of understanding yeah. my mind, but there's a whole new way of looking at it. Yeah. <clears throat> And then, so when you're changing the water filter, and uh, would you say that you experience a cessation, or you experience like maybe ten years ago you would have believed that the water filter was a pain in the butt and is actually, you know, worthy of swearing at? Uh oh, you're making a face like maybe, maybe not. Or, uh, or, or, or would you do you, you know now that this is just yeah. like a humorous yeah. moment? In but, general, <laughs> but I do avoid changing it. Like right now, it oh, really, okay, right. It really needs to be changed, and I look at it. And it's like putting uh, it off. Uh, uh, 
putting off that experience again. Right. So, so you're somewhere in there. <laughs> uh, that my, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> the best thing that happened in this was I learned, I, I stopped the thing is like, well, how can I fix that? So put some plumber's tape around the outside thread. Okay. Like, oh, that seems to work. Okay. Or I was for a while. I was there. Who cares if it drips? You know, so yeah. what? No, yeah. Nothing's perfect. <laughs> but yeah, I'm still avoiding it. And I don't oh, know. Yeah. Do I, if you know that somebody bothers you and rankles you and it's going to yeah. get you off your, uh, you know, off your meditation bodhisattva game, you yeah. go out of your way to go visit them? Yeah, probably Should not. You? Should I think you? it depends. I think it depends on uh, the, you know, kind of where your mind is at because. Uh, a certain some practitioners would like a, a low yeah. a low jong a low jong practitioner who's like yeah it's it's all about it's all about giving everyone else the upper hand and and eating all the poison they can yes, to purify it. Yeah. they'd go right after I could like, walk right into it i guess yeah please irritate me and I thank you wasn't that what i was doing with the the woman at work then right kind of i like, think so right, let's do it let's yeah. test my patience let's go yeah. be a yeah. Ridiculous as you can. <laughs> Hit me. Yeah, well, because in the Lojong text, they say, like, the most irritating person is a wish-fulfilling jewel. Yeah. yeah. Because, especially because if you're, when your mind clears and purifies, there's less and less and less than those around. Yeah. But you need to find someone irritating <laughs> so that you can purify <laughs> irritation. Yeah. I, I don't mind her so much. The, the guy who works under her, he's, he's my water filter. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I avoid him. I don't, I don't think I'll ever uh, pass through that. Uh, <laughs> but maybe there's a meeting on Tuesday. I'll let you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's going to ask the same 10 questions yeah. he's already asked for the last 10 weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what happens is uh, eventually, you know, you hit point and all of a sudden you have this uh, exhilarating combined with the horror of, uh-oh, maybe he was a Buddha the whole time. Oh, no. Yeah, right. Right? Oh, my God. And then th- that's what happens, I think, especially when your mind gets really clear and purifies. You start seeing that. Yeah. You start seeing, oh, my God, he, this, this, this person is not a person. You know, yeah. and I, um, I remember I used to say that all the time. He'd say, like, you know, if you, if you start looking around and you start seeing, like, uh, angels or you start seeing enlightened beings around, well, where do you think you are? Where have you, you know, you're... And when you're in Buddha Paradise, that's what you see. And so he was great at that, as uh, saying, like, you know, you could be right in the middle of Vancouver, and uh, you could be in Buddha Paradise, and the person right next to you is in some kind of hell realm. It's your perception of, which is what this uh, text is saying so greatly, is, you know, your perception of your reality. So you're, in the verse before, he's like, you're suddenly you're traveling by miraculous power, you're going and you're getting teachings from Buddhas um, where it may be that, I don't know, three years before that, two weeks before that, you go to the same situation and you're into some mundane situation and you're bored out of your mind. But Mm -hmm. then mind is clear, karma is there, someone starts to speak and you're just floored by the wisdom Mm -hmm. and the, 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 the deep transmission that's happening, you know? Um, yeah. and it's, it was never, it was never out there the way that mm. it appeared to be. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, as you said here, the last, last line you read free from elaborations. Yeah. Should we keep going? Yeah. I think we're going to do this. Hate we're to gonna, be the we're gonna nail time it. master, but yeah. All right, here we go. Those in the engaging through aspirational level are said to engage through thought and not through pure application. Once that wisdom is evolved, one enters this level. In this way, a person who has entered the first level later on in the path of meditation familiarizes themselves with the two wisdoms of the transcendental state and the subsequent wisdom and skillful means. In this way, they gradually purify the subtlest accumulation of obscurations that are the object of purification of the path of meditation. 
And in order to achieve higher qualities, they thoroughly purify the lower spiritual level. All purposes and objectives are completely fulfilled by entering the transcendental wisdom of the Tathagatas and by entering the ocean of omniscience. In this way, by gradual practice, the mind stream is thoroughly purified. The descent into Lanka Arya Sutra explains this. The unraveling of the thought, too, reads, in order to achieve those higher levels, the mind should be purified just as you refine gold until you realize the unsurpassable and perfectly consummated Buddhahood. He jumped from Bodhisattva level one to consummated okay. Buddhahood. Yeah. So what's cool here is he, he talks about the subsequent uh, time. Like uh, So after you see emptiness so you you do all this work you get through that <clears throat> that you punch you pierce the veil and you see emptiness directly uh, and he's saying at, at this stage not only do you see the emptiness of yourself but you also see the emptiness of phenomena so you're um, and you've been uh, really really working bodhicitta this whole time so when he says you've reached the first bodhisattva level, he's talking about someone who is, has seen emptiness with bodhicitta. If you see emptiness and it's self-motivated and it's not with that altruistic desire to save all sentient beings, the karma of that is not nearly as powerful. And uh, so then you're not at the bodhisattva level, the bodhisattva level is one of compassion. So what's interesting here is you enter the first level and then you've got like nine more to go and you work it and you work it uh, like purifying gold. So you're, you're gold. And then you got to purify the gold. And I love this subsequent wisdom time because what happens is when you see it for the first time, you, 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 you go through this this period of time where you may have studied the four Arya truths, the four noble truths, and they may have made sense to you logically, but when you see emptiness directly, the first thing that happens when you come down from that experience is you realize the four Arya truths, right? You realize that all life is suffering, which is, means you realize what samsara is and you realize all that samsara is, is suffering. Um, and you realize that there's a cause to it. And then you realize that there's an end to it and you realize that there's an end, that there's a cause for the end. And you just experienced it. You, you, you saw the cause of samsara and you saw the cause of the end of samsara. And that's what happened in that short period of time. Um, and then you have all this where you understand, uh, you understand that before that moment, kind of no fault of your own in, in, a, in a glossed over kind of a way, every single thing you've ever done in your life was selfish in one way or another. And you understand why, because you just didn't understand um, and not only do you get that, but you have total compassion and forgiveness for yourself because you, you know for the first time, you know, I couldn't have done it any other way because I didn't know any better. Right. I was so, it was so hardwired in me that, and so there's such forgiveness, there's such compassion, it's such a relief. You know, and then you understand what a prostration really is, right? And you understand that you're going to make it. When you hit that point, you know, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it to Buddhahood. And it's going to happen. And you know all the scriptures are true. You can read minds for a period of time. Um, and if you are, uh, if you did it with Bodhicitta, then what happens shortly thereafter uh, is you have that experience of ultimate bodhicitta, which is your heart cracks open. And you you see that thing that Shantideva talks about where you see, uh, you see endless, an endless sea of sentient beings um, suffering. And he says, 
they're holding on to a piece of coal and they can't let it go and it's burning them right and that's what you see you have this bodhicitta and you see directly all these beings and they're howling in pain and they're holding on to a piece of coal and they cannot let it go and the reason why they cannot let it go is because they of they, they've bought into the mistake of ignorance and then it's like okay well i have to teach them wisdom i have to teach them wisdom that's the only way they'll let it go mm-hmm. so this is just at, at at the one that's at like seeing emptiness then from after that mind-blowing experience you'll never be the same again you're not even really human anymore in a certain way um then you got more work to do then you go like he's saying and then you purify all those so-called lower spiritual levels like you're shining the gold and then finally um you know who knows greg it could be in your moment the final water filter as you're (laughs) coming down and you're you're subtly working on your fine thing and then suddenly this water filter is the is the 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 last cause and condition that pops you into your total buddhahood and you're like ah <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be fun? That that's more. I think my uh, if I'm in a hell realm, I'd know I'd open up a door. Someone go, okay, here, here you go. Just change all these filters all day. There's a lot of them. <laughs> Probably get good at it. <laughs> well, you know, they say there's that one hell revive, right? Where uh, you you wake up and then you just like do battle until you're hacked to pieces, and then you like wake up again. So it could be like yeah, water sure. filters. You change them all, and then you fall asleep and wake up again, and they're all there again. Mm. for a thousand years i think i I don't think so greg no no i hope not (laughs) (laughs) i think it's all i mean what we're talking about here is the mind yeah buddhism is all about purifying your mind so that you can achieve buddhahood yeah and uh we have this great uh, tool called introspection which we can just look at our thoughts and they will let us know if we understand the practices we understand the teachings <clears throat> when we look at our thoughts we can say okay uh here's where work is to be done or here's where something good has uh, changed um yeah it's just a fascinating fascinating thing and it's interesting when you when i listen to other um you know spiritual teachers or other maybe psych- psychologists talking you realize mm, we have something that most people really haven't glommed onto. you know um people spend a lot of time trying to dissect thoughts and where they come from or they how do how do neurons contribute to where is memory located in the mind mm-hmm. but the buddhism kind of bypasses that a little bit and says mm-hmm. uh here, here just try this you know yeah. think of it this way yeah think thinking about thinking Oof. Mm-hmm. yeah endlessly fascinating mm-hmm. yeah go to where they are not hmm and then you'll see them for what they are. Yeah, they're like phantoms, you know. They're like, and then they just—they only—they solidify when we when we believe in them, you know. It's like believing in Santa Claus. You know? Yeah, I can totally understand when people, you know, feel overwhelmed or they have nervous breakdowns. Like, yeah, that's very easy to understand. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, a thought pattern can take you for a ride that lasts years. Sure. Yeah. I noticed that uh, for anger, like, uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't an angry person, but I get angry, you know, every once in a while. And then what Buddhism showed me, I think what you showed me was, you know, that anger is going to get in, is going to disturb the sort of your calm mind for about a day and a half, mm-hmm. you know, so don't do it. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty simple, you know, stop picking at that scab. It's never going to heal. Just don't. Don't get angry if you really are serious about this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I remember when I had landed in this place where I started to understand that that kind of approach to it is almost like more important than anything else, right? Like recognizing, whoa, my kindness just turned off. Yeah. And this is like a cause for alarm, right? And uh, which is being aware of that and doing something about it is more important than anything else you could be doing. And, uh, that's like mm-hmm. <clears throat> taking refuge, like taking refuge in samsara is like 
yeah, yeah, that's not that important. What's more important is uh, me getting this project done, and uh, I'm going to irritate whoever I have to. And I'll, and I'll, you know, that's like taking refuge in samsara. And then if you're taking refuge in your own enlightenment, then you notice, oh no, like I'm, I'm getting freaked out. I'm about to say something harmful to somebody. Yeah, it's not worth it. It's gonna, it's gonna set me back. Yeah, it's hard though, right? I mean, very hard. In this week at work. Yeah. I was sort of the, the center of this massive thing. So uh, issue that was coming up and people around me uh, were lying. They were getting angry. Oh they were pointing fingers. And I was just sort of, sorry, I think it's my job to be the eye of the hurricane here. I could go off on any way, any direction that anybody's offering me here. Um, but just kind of keep your cool, you know. That's That's probably part of it, the whole be like a piece of wood don't don't react yeah and if you notice that sometimes when uh you do that even if it's like you say you're the eye of the hurricane or if it's a, another situation when you're not so much the eye of the hurricane but maybe there's an issue with someone uh they want something from you or they they're getting all bent out of shape about something that they think that you owe them or said or anything mm -hmm. and you don't you don't try to defend it or fix it. You just wait yeah. and you be present and you wait and you take refuge. You take refuge in your own kind of motivation and your own state and your own clarity and your own kindness. And you just wait. And I, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've done that. And then just the problem fizzles out. Yeah. You tell me that and it works. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Definitely yeah. works. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a modern day miracle. Just goes, this is out. Should we read some more? A nope. little bit of pause, you know, that's all it takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're getting there. We're getting so there. We, could, we could do this. I think so. All right. All right. Entering the ocean of omniscience. Oof. Let's just pause there for a moment. Second time he said it. Yeah, the ocean. They often refer to the ocean, right? Like, uh, each mind is like a drop of water in the ocean, in the ocean of omniscience. There's also the ocean of uh, ignorance. You want to cross yeah. that over? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Entering the ocean of omniscience, you possess impeccable jewel-like qualities to sustain sentient beings, and these fulfill your previous positive prayers. Wow. So now, you're, so now you're seeing it come true, right? All the times you prayed for for uh, sentient beings to become free, you're seeing it happen. Wow. The individual then becomes the embodiment of compassion, possessing various skillful means that function spontaneously and work in various emanations in the interest of all wandering beings. In addition, all marvelous attributes are perfected with total elim elimination of all defilements and their latent potential all buddhas abide to help every sentient being through such realization generate faith in the buddhas the source of all wonderful knowledge and qualities everyone should endeavor to actualize these qualities. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, what could be better? He's, he, yeah, he's done pretty much. He said everything he wanted to say, and then he's, the next thing he's doing is just kind of a wrap up. Ooh. I think one of the big messages of, of this text, and well, certainly if I was going to, give give any kind of advice on any of this i would just say keep keep going mm -hmm. whatever it is don't give up keep going and uh it will show itself to you right the your good heart and your intention and you just the willingness to just keep on meditating and keep on going and just keep on seeing your mind and don't take anything less than your perfect enlightenment for an answer. You will get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your karma will provide you with what you need. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It will, it will give you what you need. And uh, it's sweeter than anything you can imagine. Yeah. 
total elimination of all defilements, defilements and their latent potential. Like it's, you're done. There's no, see, what's cool is, okay, so before, last verse or two, he's talked about, you hit a certain point, um, and then you no longer wander in these rebirths. There's this point of no return that you hit. If you, if you see emptiness directly, they say, you, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to be falling to these realms anymore. Mm-hmm. They even say, uh, before you see emptiness, there's a certain point where you won't turn back. And here, you know, but, but there's still maybe some latent seeds. In Buddhahood, even the latent potential, potentiality of being anything less than a Buddha is just snuffed out. And it's your mind. And of course, the you know the body that wins, wins in mind the the body of the Buddha. Uh, but wow. All Buddhas abide to help every sentient being. Hmm. Yeah. Just very inspirational. This one. I love I love the expression embodiment of compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. Uh, you're not compassionate any you're not you're not being compassionate anymore you are compassionate you don't have to think oh compassion is needed you just are compassion like you're past needing even to even think about compassion yeah. that's just but that's just the thing you are yeah yeah i think Preach. you you said that years ago i remember yeah. that was a powerful thing yeah it's like you don't you don't need to be compassionate you need to be compassion mhm should we take this thing home? Let's take it home. Woo! I'm getting rushes about this. This is this has been quite the journey here. The Buddha thus said, the omniscient transcendental wisdom is produced with compassion at its root. The awakening mind of bodhicitta as its cause and is perfected by skillful means. Let's read that again. The Buddha thus said, the omniscient transcendental wisdom is produced with compassion at its root. The awakening mind of bodhicitta as its cause and is perfected by skillful means. That's what the Buddha said. The wise distance themselves from jealousy and other stains. We just talked about that. Mm-hmm. Their thirst for knowledge is unquenchable, like an ocean. They retain only what is proper through discrimination, just like swans extracting milk from water. Thus, scholars should distance themselves from divisive attitudes and bigotry. Amen to that. Even from a child, good words are received. Whatever merit I derive with exposition of this middle path, I dedicate for all beings to actualize the middle path. Well, thank you, Master Kamala Sheila. Yeah, he's kind of giving you a few little pointers on your way out the door. You know? Yeah. Well. The middle section of the stages of meditation by Acharya Kamalashila is here completed. Wow. Translated and edited in Tibetan by the Indian abbot Prajna Purma and the monk Yeshe Dei. Does your text have the uh, supplication to His Holiness the Dalai Lama? don't think it does. It, maybe it, um, the text. And then there's actually uh, Sankapa's Lamrim prayer. Verses to generate bodhicitta, additional prayers, and then prayer for disseminating the wisdom of dependent original. Oh, we don't, no, yes, and, yes, it does have it. I've got it right here. So should we go through these? Yeah. Okay. Supplication to His Holiness the Dalai Lama. 
I wonder if we should do a meditation, like just like do this in a meditation, just like say it in meditation, or just sure you want to do all of these? Yeah. What if we go into meditation and just kind of read through it as a meditation? Very good. Okay. Yeah, we can additional prayers. Yeah. Why don't we do that? It's always nice to be in a meditative state and just listening to these amazing words. So wherever you are, finding your meditation seat. Maybe that's lying down. Maybe that's walking. Maybe that's sitting. Wherever you are, as you turn inward, closing the eyes or having them gently open, give yourself a gentle smile. And zero in on your sense of joy and kindness. If you look underneath the cascade of thoughts that may be parading around in your mind right now, depending on the state of things, if you turn away from that aspect of your life in the moment and just notice what are the qualities that's that are that's non-thought that's the space of life of rejuvenation and there's this mysterious presence you can almost say it's the, the mysterious presence that keeps your body upright your fountain of youth unnameable really try to go there and sense the joy that is there and the gentle compassion and the kindness that is your birthright that is your very nature Just do your best to be there and sense that for a few moments before we go on, before we continue. And then get a sense that we're about to hear uh, words from holy beings as we uh, read out the supplication to His Holiness the Dalai Lama uh, at the end of this beautiful text that we've just read through. And know that these types of beings who wrote who write these types of words you know their motivation is to have that joy that you're touching into as your permanent state they know it is your natural state and they they want it to increase in you and they want it to spill out so that you can affect others And so just listen now to these words in your state of joy as best you can, enthusiasm, joy, and kindness. In the same way that you would listen to, uh, you know, not thinking too much about it, like listening to music or, or the way that 
the earth absorbs water when it rains. The path of union of emptiness and compassion. I should say, this is a supplication to His Holiness the Dalai Lama. The path of union of emptiness and compassion is lucidly explained by the protector of the Dharma and the beings of the snowland. You are the lotus holder, Tenzin Gyatso. We supplicate you that your wishes are fulfilled spontaneously. And now, from Lama Jason Kappa, the final Lam Rim prayer. From my two collections, vast as space, that I have amassed, from working with effort at this practice for a great length of time, may I become the chief leading Buddha for all those whose mind's wisdom I is blinded by ignorance. Even if I do not reach this state, may I be held in your loving compassion for all lives, Manjushri. May I find the best of the complete graded paths of the teachings, and may I please all the Buddhas by my practice. Using skillful means drawn by the strong force of compassion, may I clear the darkness from the minds of all beings with the points of the path as I have discerned them. May I uphold Buddha's teachings for a very long time. With my heart going out with great compassion in whatever directions the most precious teachings have not yet spread or once spread have declined, may I reveal this treasure of happiness and aid. May the minds of those who wish for liberation be granted bounteous peace and the Buddha's deeds be nourished for a long time but even this graded path to enlightenment completed due to the wondrous, virtuous conduct of the Buddhas and their children. May all human and non-human beings who eliminate adversity and create conducive conditions for practicing the excellent paths never be separated in any of their lives from the purest path praised by the Buddhas. Whenever someone makes effort to act in accordance with the tenfold Mahayana virtuous practices, may they always be assisted by the mighty ones, and may oceans of prosperity spread everywhere. And now, some verses to generate bodhicitta. With the wish to free all beings, I shall always go for refuge to the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha until I reach full enlightenment. Inspired by wisdom and compassion, today in the Buddha's presence, I generate the mind of full awakening for the benefit of all sentient beings. I go for refuge to the Triple Gem. I confess the negativities individually I rejoice in the virtues of all beings. I hold full enlightenment in my heart. As long as space remains, as long as sentient beings remain, until then may I too remain and dispel the miseries of the world. Additional prayers. Due to the merits of these virtuous actions, may I quickly attain the state of a Guru Buddha and lead all beings without exception into that enlightened state. May the supreme bodhicitta that has not arisen arise and grow. 
And may that which has arisen not diminish, but increase forevermore. And one more from Jason Kappa. A prayer for disseminating the wisdom of dependent origination and emptiness. Throughout my future lifetimes, may I always be guided by Arya Manjushri and be able to uphold the Dharma in general and the teachings on dependent origination in particular, even at the cost of my life. And that brings us to the close. Try to imagine those words like unstoppable seeds planted in your mind stream to give you direction, to give you hope, to give you a steadfast motivation to keep you going, to keep you going until you yourself discover your own inner heart of enlightenment. May all beings be free. Om Aung. Thank you, Lama John, for a beautiful, beautiful season here. Oh, thank you, Greg. Oh, such a joy. Yeah, it really is. I was a little scared this word omniscience when we first started. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I like, I like your definition, you know, that sort of knowing what other people need for their spiritual growth and uh, what you can do to help. You know, sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, oof. Yeah. I remember uh, one of the ones that always stuck with me was like, <clears throat> why you got to become a Buddha is because it's like that, you know, you can't, you can't go into the burning house and save anybody that's in there until you, you know, you're wearing the suit and you got the mask on. Right? Mm -hmm. You can't just run in there like everybody else and just melt on the fire. And you, you have to, you have to uh, be able to assist. Um, I, I just can't think of a better thing to do with a person's life. I mean, with a, well, that's what they say, right? Don't waste your leisure and fortune. I mean, what a thing to, what a thing to do. Yeah, in one of those closing statements too, there was uh, closing prayers rather. I mean, you always find your guru from lifetime to lifetime, or these teachings. Mm. It's like, yeah, that's that one makes me nervous. What if I'm wandering around in my next lifetime in some place where it's just not available, or it's downgraded, or times have become so degenerate that uh, you're, you're turned away from it? You know, that scares me. I think more than anything else. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a yeah. That's a abysmal thought, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe I don't know, at a very young age, maybe you the same way. I was very attracted to Buddhism right mm -hmm. away, even though it was not in my culture or environment at all. Mm -hmm. It's like the first time I was like, Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me more. Mm -hmm. So maybe there is those those seeds that do stay with you. Well, that's what they say. And I, I, I believe that must be true. I think that's, you know, proof of past practice, you know, proof, yeah. proof of past lives. Like, like, why would you be attracted to it, right? Yeah. And then you yeah. just find those people. Yeah. Awesome. So we were talking for season three. Yeah. And uh, the lists. The lists. A manual of key Buddhist terms. I'll uh, 
for anyone who wishes to uh, to pick up this book, I think it was only a couple dollars, ten dollars. It's an old text, and um, eighth century Tibetan translator named Kabu Paltsing. So yeah, we were speaking about how Buddhism uh, just loves their lists, and this is all the lists, <laughs> not all of them, but. <laughs> There's a lot of them. It's a short little book, but it's it's got a lot of them. So I think that's going to be fun and exciting. Yeah, I think so too. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah.